All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I hate to break the fishing news after Ramchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in. To episode 252 of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Tyler Yaremchuk, joined by Jay and Bag Milk today. Coming off, without a doubt, the most exciting weekend of the Oilers season. I will talk about that in just a second here. Episode 252 brought to you by Oodle Noodle. When you go in store or do curbside pickup from Oodle Noodle, proceeds of your purchase go towards the local charity. They've already raised over $100,000. It's a great cause. Cure your hunger and help out Edmonton as well. Uh, we're going to be joined by a special guest in like, I'm thinking five minutes here. Kyle Brodziak. Oh, wow. Oiler. Taking part in the world's longest hockey game. I'm excited to chat with him, but I'd imagine uh, Jay Bag Milk, you guys are feeling pretty good after that Oilers weekend. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it was the uh, <laughs> the win on Saturday was huge. Um, there was some annoyances for me. Like, I mean, they were up by two goals and then allowed the Leafs to come back and tie it. That was annoying to me. Um, but they won. So that's all that matters. And then last night's win against Ottawa was probably more stressful than one would expect from a game when the boys score eight goals, but keeps you alive, you know, make sure the heart's still pumping. And, uh, it was exciting. I had not to mention, I had a fantastic betting day yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I like to hear. I had, I had a good, yeah, I had a good betting day on Saturday. I was a little late to the to the to betting i had some goal props i wanted to do in my my sports book wouldn't let me bet them because the game already started yesterday so that kind of pissed me off but you know what we played we came on saturday we showed up we played hard against toronto we played we played good enough and deserved to win that game that was really reassuring miko koskinen made some key saves especially in that overtime uh, you know, so there's some promising there. Is he still, you know, where we need him? Not quite yet, but you know what? We played well enough in front of him. So that was a huge win. I expected last night. I thought we were going to be sluggish in the first period, uh, but to be shot out of the candle like we were to score five, uh, that yeah. was kind of interesting. Uh, so I was kind of shocked with kind of how that game kind of started. And then, yeah, we showed our fatigue kind of later in the game and kind of let them back in. You know, there is probably a few soft goals, we'll say, that uh, that found its way in the back of the net too because we had a, you know, a goalie starting his first game, had nerves, you know, took him a little while to get settled in. So, you know, that was going to happen. But, you know, we did enough to win. It's about 
It's about getting wins. And we won. We won both games on the weekend. So, yes, as Oilers fans, we're going to dissect and, and hone in on all the negative <laughs> shit. But there is a lot of positivity there. But the thing is, is we got to keep going. You know tomorrow Ottawa's going to be pissed because of what happened. Hopefully the Oilers get a little bit of rest, much-needed rest, and can, you know, Ottawa isn't that great, but they can still be pesky as they kind of showed uh, last night. Uh, you know, Oilers put a good effort, continue this streak that Ottawa is on, uh, and then get the, set the stage for the Battle of Alberta. It should be good. I just think I- that when you have a situation, like last night – it, I knew it was going to be a weird game once it was announced that Skinner was starting. And that's no offense to, to Stuart Skinner, mm-hmm. but the guy, you know, he wasn't, he was what their fourth string when this, when the season started, hasn't played in almost a calendar year. His last game was in March of last year. It was his first NHL start in his home city. Uh, Leon even said it post game. It was one of the weirder circumstances to have to get thrown into to play a hockey game. But I, I was just happy for the guy. You know, there were some tense moments and it was a little bit stressful, but all, but what I do know is that the Oilers won, like Jay said, and that Stuart Skinner's got a memory that he's going to last, that's going to last for the rest of his life. So overall, I mean, are there reasons to be concerned? Probably sure. But uh, I'm just going to enjoy the win. I'm happy for Stuart Skinner. Happy to see Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid put on a clinic. Happy to see Nuge get three points. Happy Cahoon's rolling a little bit. Yeah. Oh, like the secondary yeah. scoring came out this weekend. And I think that's important for as much as the negatives for as many negatives as people like to bring up. I want to bring up, you know, Josh Archibald scored uh, James Neal got a pair. Dominic Cahoon got two. So like there's guys Barry. that need to get going. Barry, Barry got his first yeah. last night. So I, I think that there's some positives that people need to acknowledge as well, because there's some guys that needed goals that got them. And hopefully that kind of, kind of breaks the dam down and lets the water out, you know? We're going to be joined by Kyle Brodziak in just a few minutes here. But while we're on the topic of the games from uh, from the weekend, the thing that drives me nuts is through the beginning of the year, everyone's going, oh, the power, like the pessimistic Oilers fans, I should say, are going, oh, the power play's not working. Like they're screwed if their power play doesn't get going, blah, 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 blah. And then you get a game last night where their power play wins them the game and is unbelievable. And you get a bunch of people being like, oh, yeah, but they still aren't doing it at five on five. (laughs) And it's just like there's no pleasing like a section of the fan base that are just always going to be pissy. No matter how good the Oilers win or what happens, they'll be pissy. But I thought Saturday night, that was the best game we've seen the Oilers play all season. And Sunday night was the most fun we've seen the Oilers have. It was, you know what, though? It's 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 warranted, Yerem Chuck, because it's been 14 years of shit. Right? So, yeah. yes, like we're just so, like... It, it, it's just it's just been beaten into us to kind of be like oh well but this sucks now like it's because yeah. we haven't had a run of just being awesome for a long amount of time where we can just walk around being like yeah fucking everything we do is good even our mistakes are fucking awesome and are planned so i, I think that's just kind of like uh, a circumstance created by the decade plus four of darkness yeah, I, I guess it. I guess it might be, but I don't know. I just think like you have games like that where McDavid and Drysaddle are just out there doing what they do. And I sent out a tweet when McDavid scored that goal, and I said, you know, the Oilers fans are lucky because you get to watch that guy every game. And some people yeah. really didn't. I don't think understood what I said because they were like, "What do you mean lucky? Like Oilers are the opposite of lucky." But getting to watch twenty nine and ninety seven do what they do right now mm-hmm. is it's worth watching every game, even if you know that even if you knew they were going to lose watching an Oilers game is still must watch TV just because of them. It's just for me, like, yeah, Connor and Leon are, they're just, they're in a league of their own. It's just for me, the bright side from this past weekend was seeing some guys that needed to help them chip in with some goals because it's going to make life a whole lot easier if they don't have to do it all by themselves. Yeah, it's going to make winning a whole lot easier too. Like Cahoon, it just felt great for him, man. Like he was so snake bit and you could tell he was doing so many right things early in the season. And then just to get the one, it just shows how the snowball goes too, right? You mm-hmm. finally get one goal and then you get a lucky bounce and all of a sudden your game's just at a totally different point and the perception of how you're playing is totally different as well. You know who needs that? Your boy JP. He's got to get a lucky yeah. bounce at some point here too and he's got to start producing. <sighs> Well, he that's what's funny, right? Good like, chances. 
he's got some really good chances and he's had some really good looks, but like Cahoon, he's snake bitten right now. Mm. And I think Jesse's going to be in the exact same spot. I don't necessarily, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think maybe two goals in back-to-back games like Cahoon did this weekend, but I think that once he gets that first one, he can just breathe a little bit because you have to imagine yeah. for him getting thrown up with Connor and Nuge has got to be a little bit stressful. He was down on the third line to start expectations weren't nearly as high, but when you're on the first line next to Connor, you look over and you see two guys that can dish the puck. I imagine he's feeling stress on himself. And I just, I personally believe when he gets his first, which he will, the, like the, the people like us are going to be more excited for him than he is probably. <laughs> probably. Oh, hundred percent. It's just a confidence thing. Like, like last Sunday in Winnipeg, he showed maximum co- uh, confidence and you could see it as you, as he was trying to make plays with the puck. You can see that his confidence is kind of taking a hit and he's kind of a little bit more uh, nervous with the puck or, or, or thinking more when he has the puck. Uh, so a goal can hopefully alleviate that. But one thing I do want to bring up, and it's something we need to acknowledge, is that Josh Archibald is a worthy winger of Connor McDavid's. I wouldn't be playing him there full time. I'm not, I'm not saying he should yeah. be there full time, but like there's something there. Like, He's he he gets the job done with Connor. He he really does. I'm not saying replace Pooley Arvey with Archibald, but like the fact that I, I like what Tippett was doing against Toronto and having him jump back onto double shifting him, having him come on Archibald's line, like that, like that, like Tippett did was 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 doing some good coaching this weekend. Like that alone probably saved the game. That last minute goal before the period ended probably that that brought the game back on the rails for the Oilers because mm-hmm. we were losing it again. Uh, the thing for tomorrow's game against Ottawa with chase on, on waivers, I wonder if maybe it'll be Bouchard getting the recall and they might go 11 and seven and we could see McDavid getting shifted down on that fourth line with whoever. I mean, it'll probably be like, maybe it's Nygaard. Oh, and, they're not going to Gaetan Haas is elite man. Gaetan Haas is in. good last night. I like yeah, he it. Is. He was good. He last flies, night, and, and he flies and he contributed on the PK. They weren't perfect on the penalty kill last night. I think it's five games in a row now where they've allowed, allowed a goal when down a man, which is a problem. But Gaetan Haas was noticeable last night in his first game of the year. And I just, I think he's going to stay in. When yep. it comes to like him or Kara or shore, like Haas played four, about four minutes on the penalty kill last night. And the senators had one shot on that when he was on the ice for the PK. If he's a good PK guy, which it looks like he, he is through one game, the, the fact that he has offensive upside and he skates so well, it's a no brainer to keep him in over Kyra or shore. Mm-hmm. Aton Haas is elite. Yeah. Elite. Uh, we're going to get to our guest here today and, and welcoming Kyle Brodziak to the real life podcast. Kyle, I believe you're quarantining right now for the world's longest hockey game. Is that kind of where you're at in the process here? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, I believe it was uh, Thursday night. Everyone went and got tested. Uh, all the tests came back negative, thankfully. And now uh, until we move in tomorrow, uh, everybody's uh, expected to stay home and, and quarantine. So yeah, last, last few days, that's what I've been up to. What have you been doing to pass the time? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, just trying to get outside in the yard with, uh, with my boys a few times, uh, a few times a day to, to try kill some time. And, uh, other than that, no, just hanging out, hanging out at home. Obviously this year is weird for the world's longest hockey game. Just what kind of challenges got thrown into the mix, having to do a quarantine that doesn't normally have to happen. What else was there? That we uh, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I can't speak as much for it, obviously, as, uh, as Dr. Sake. Uh, I'm sure there's uh, countless uh, hoops that, that, uh, that those guys had to jump through to, to make this all happen. Uh, but for me, yeah, it, you know, basically just uh, going to get tested, uh, doing this quarantine. Uh, I know that there's not going to be fans in attendance, so uh, unfortunately, uh, my boys or my wife aren't, or none of, I guess, friends or family is, is allowed to come watch, which, uh, which would have been nice, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still, it's still for a great cause. So, uh, everyone's still happy to do it, but, um, yeah, I'm sure it's going to feel, you know, for guys who are returning, I'm sure it's going to feel uh, a little bit different than what they're used to, but, uh, you know, for a guy like me, it's, it's all new anyway. So we're just kind of going in with an open mind. You mentioned it's obviously for a great cause in the Cross Cancer Institute. I was reading Jason Greger's article on your story, and uh, you know you lost your dad at a young age. How 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 much more important is this game to you because you have that personal kind of connection? 
Yeah, it's huge. Uh, not only uh, not only my dad, but obviously there's a, a lot of other people in my life who have been touched by cancer as well. And and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I guess um, I was talking about it the other day. I think it was with uh, with Gregor. Uh, just you know, you're playing your NHL career. You're not really thinking about you know life type of stuff like that during uh, during the game. But I think. Uh, you know, with this, uh, with this world's longest game where it's, uh, you know, it's a little more laid back and, and you're, you have time to reflect on different things because you're, you're playing for so long, I guess, uh, that I imagine that, uh, you know, everybody who's playing in the game, there's, uh, a lot of loved ones will be going through their mind and, uh, yeah, I'll be definitely thinking about my dad a lot during this game. How, uh, so the world's longest game, this, this is taxing on everyone physically. And I, my question is, is how, how's your health doing? Like, how's your body holding up after, uh, in retirement? How are you uh, feeling? Yeah, it's, it's all right. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not in the greatest shape. Uh, like I don't do a whole lot of, uh, high strenuous stuff anymore. Um, I definitely wanted to take a break from that after, after doing it for so long, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, my back is an issue that's kind of, it, I'm going to have it the rest of my life pretty much. Um, I know that already, but, uh, last year, last winter, I went through a couple months of, uh, not doing very well where I was, uh, in pain quite a bit, but, uh, I got kind of, you know, I spent some time, got that healed up and, uh, I've been doing, you know, for the past, well, almost a year now, uh, since I got healthy, I've been, uh, I've been staying on top of my, my, uh, regimen to kind of keep my, you know, keep everything strong and, uh, thankfully for, uh, you know, for the last 10 months or so, I I've been pain free. So that's, uh, that's a positive. What's the training process been like for you for the world's longest game? Lots of time on the outdoor rink, just getting uh, used to snapping the puck I, around again. I wouldn't say lots of time. I've been on the ice a few times. Just, I have an outdoor rink in our yard here and there's a pond, uh, close by as well. So I've skated a handful of times, but, uh, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of training going on. So uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, a bit of a shock to the system. I think when, you know, when uh, that first shift, when we're, I think four hours on the ice, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure at first it'll be fun. And I've talked to a few guys like uh, Dustin Nielsen who have done this before, but there are some points in those shifts where I bet it just gets brutally grueling when you're on like three and a half hours in, you know, you still got to give her for another 30 minutes. That'll be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine I've heard stories about, uh, yeah, I guess the, I think around day four, five, six, from what I've heard is when kind of the dog days set in. Uh, and then you got a, you know, a few days where guys are probably going to be a little grouchier than normal. And, uh, you know, you're just trying to, you're just trying to make it through. I think at some points, uh, you know, and obviously the weather is going to play a factor into that as well. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a grind, but, uh, you know, Everybody knows it's for such a good cause. That's uh, that's going to be the big motivating factor for sure. You're, uh, uh, I'm curious. Ahead, I'm curious how the hands are feeling because I was just like before we started, I was going through the interview you did with Gregor on uh, on our site, and I see that the record is about four or five hundred goals. They're not sure exactly, <laughs> and that you've been getting beaked in some emails. So I'm just wondering how the hands are doing, and if you feel like you're going to have a chance to hit that record. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what to what to really think about that yet uh as far as the record goes i know my hands aren't going to be very good uh i mean they weren't great on the on the best of days even in my career but uh this, so they're they're a little rusty right now but uh you know four hours that first shift i'm sure it'll feel like you know you kind of get it i'm sure it'll it'll feel like it comes back pretty quick after uh, after a short time i'm sure you won't have a choice. You're going to be playing so much hockey. Yeah. That was one of my questions is what's <laughs> yeah. the over under for points or goals? What are we going with here? I don't know. I, I don't know what to, <laughs> I don't know what to think. It, really. I was kind of trying to do the math. So there's 251 hours, I think. So, and I believe I'm on the ice about half the time. So 125 hours. So if, if you get four goals an hour, that's, that's 500 goals around. I think. Right. Yeah. About there. Right there. It's doable. Yeah. It's so doable. It's, we got a record contender coming in. <laughs> it, it, it could be doable. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what to expect. I, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, it'll kind of just be, we'll, we'll see how, uh, you know, how it's going when we, when we get the, get the game rolling. 
I know, uh, I know Sake has quite the setup out there, uh, but it's still an outdoor rink for you being like a small town, Alberta guy growing up. Is this a bit of a throwback to your childhood? Kind of like oh, being out sure. on the outdoor rink. What made you fall in love with the game sort of stuff? Yeah, I, uh, my dad, he, uh, he did an outdoor rink for us uh, at home for a few years. Uh, and then we moved to another place and I had a pond that was right next door. So I basically pretty much every day I, well, every day that I remember that it was decent enough weather, uh, my buddies and I were on the pond. So yeah, we spent, uh, spent a lot of time playing outdoors and uh, that's why I think this is going to be so much fun. Uh, let's talk about your career a little bit. Cause I mean, your story is great from, you know, like I said, St. Paul, Alberta to seventh round pick to making it to the league for you. At one point, did you kind of start to think in your life, like, Hey, the NHL is like an attainable goal here. Like I, th- I think I got a shot to, to make it pro. Um, I would say that it kind of bounced back and forth. I mean, as a kid, obviously that's all I dreamed about was playing in the NHL and, um, you know, growing up, up until I think, uh, maybe my first year junior, uh, that might've been, uh, first two years in junior, um, where things, you know, things aren't going as well. Uh, you know, you see the, the, the guys that are getting drafted in the, in the high rounds and. Um, yeah, so you kind of, maybe there's a little doubt that creeps in, uh, around that age. And, uh, even, yeah, my 18 year old year, I had a really good year, uh, but also didn't know what to expect. Um, and then after that year, I got drafted in the seventh round. So, uh, I guess at that point, uh, a little door opens, uh, and you, I guess you could kind of see, um, even though it's a long shot, you see potential for it. Uh, and then, yeah, I think, um, you know, when I turned pro, it would probably not be, probably not till my, my third year pro when I realized that I, that I, I truly felt that I could make it. So, uh, yeah, it definitely, there's some ups and downs, uh, the whole way, but, uh, yeah, pr- pretty much, uh, you know, until it actually did happen for real, you, you never really know. One of my favorite things to ask guys that have, been to the show is once you finally got there did you have a moment maybe where maybe you were lined up uh you know for a face-off or something like that and you look across the ice at some at some of the opponents and you're just like i cannot believe i'm here did you have anything like that oh there's lots yeah lots of moments like that uh you know as you as you get older and you, you play more and more that those moments kind of go away a little bit uh, not go away but they're just uh, they don't stand out as much but uh, early on, yeah, I remember, well, I, I, there was only maybe a, one or two games where I would have played against Peter Forsberg, uh, but he was a guy that I was in awe of when playing against him and, and watching how good he actually was. Uh, that's one guy I'll never forget playing against. Uh, vaguely remember maybe in my first time I got called up playing against uh, Detroit, Um and taking a face off against Eisman, that would be uh, like, I, I yeah. it's kind of a vague memory. I, I don't really know. Uh, I can't really picture exactly how it went, but uh, yeah, that's, that's probably another one that, uh, that stands out for sure. One of the, we had a uh, Jeff way wick on our podcast a few weeks ago. And he, again, is a guy who made the NHL from small town, Alberta. And we laughed about sort of the difference of, you know, guys like yourself or way who grew up on the pond on the outdoor rink and found a way to make it to the NHL. And the kids nowadays that Jeff says he sees come into his junior team in Sherd park that they've been working with specialized coaches from the age <laughs> of nine and all that. Do you ever just kind of sit back and, and kind of compare the era that it's at now? And even like, some of the younger guys you would have played with at the end of your career to like how you sort of came up through the game? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I, I don't know what to think about how, how it's, uh, how it's going now. Uh, I kind of feel like sometimes these kids are going to get burnt out by the time they're, uh, by the time they're in their, you know, teen, teen years, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't trade, you know, the way I grew up, I played hockey cause I loved it. I went on the pond cause I loved it. I didn't, uh, you know, my mom and dad weren't forcing me to go out there when I didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely is. It's a lot different. Even, uh, the last few, the last quite a few years of my career, I would say, uh, you can definitely sense a change of, uh, you know, the way conditioning worked, the way, uh, you know, guys were coming in stronger, faster. Uh, yeah, a lot of things have changed and it's a pretty much a year round job now to, to, to keep your, you know, keep your body on top of its game. So, um, 
it'll be interesting to see in a few years too. Uh, you know, yeah. once guys have played their whole career, how, how they've been able to withstand that. Uh, are guys going to be able to have as long a careers as, as they did earlier on? Um, that's, you know, time will tell. Obviously, you didn't have a year in your career like the one that's going on right now. Have you had a chance to watch any of the division-on-division division play? And if so, what do you, what do you think so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome right now. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, playing the same, I guess, six, seven teams, uh, you know, by the end of the year, it might kind of it might feel like overkill a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's great right now. Um, I pretty much only watch Oiler games or uh, I'll still keep in touch. Sometimes if I see a St. Louis or Minnesota playing, uh, I still have ties to those teams. So I'll, I'll watch those games once in a while. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've really liked watching the, uh, the all Canadian division and uh, watching the Oilers playing it. And um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. What's your uh, scouting report on the Oilers through 11 games? It's been up and down so far. We're trying to figure uh, it out ourselves. It's been up and down for sure. Uh, I thought – I, I kind of had a feeling after uh, – was it Friday night? No, Saturday night's yep. win. After Saturday's win, I kind of felt like uh, that was almost a game to get the ball rolling in the right direction where they're hopefully going to be able to string a few together in a row now. Uh, just to me, had that feeling about it. Um, and yeah, last night, last night was, it was an obviously awesome game to watch. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Up and down, up and down. It's, it's early in the year. Uh, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect with not having uh, a real camp or not having any exhibition games. So I'm sure it's taken, uh, you know, taken a few guys uh, a little longer to, to kind of get going, but uh, yeah, hopefully uh, they'll be able to roll now. Just touching on that point where you said it takes a little bit longer to get going. We were talking about it the other day, how weird it must be also for new guys coming into a team to not have the normal outlets to bond with their teammates that you probably usually would. Obviously this is a guess for you, but how much of an impact do you think that has in the early going of a season? Uh, You can't do the bar things or the restaurant things or the normal kind of. Yeah. You know what? I don't really know, I guess, what to think about that. Um, yeah, it, I mean, last year was different when they were in, everyone was in the bubble, and you could you're pretty much probably all you're doing is hanging out with teammates all the time. To uh, to now, when you're yeah, when you're traveling, you can't really get together in hotel rooms. You're kind of expected to go. Uh, you know, obviously they got to stay safe and go to your room, and um, you know, pretty much don't have a, a whole lot of interaction with each other. Mind you, they're still at the rink every day with each other, so I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're still getting some decent bonding time, but yeah, I, I don't know what to, I can't imagine what it would have been like, uh, you know, to, to, especially, yeah, once, uh, you know, once the pandemic started and, and they transitioned to go into the bubble, uh, I couldn't imagine what, uh, you know, what that was like for, for everybody. While we're on the topic of uh, talking about this year, what McDavid and Drysaddle did last night, like Drysaddle picking up the six assists, he was just on fire. In your time, like we sit here as fans and we watch McDavid, you know, go up the ice, score the goals that he does, and it's just jaw dropping. Was it the same when you played with him there? Like, were there moments where you're just sitting there being like, "How the hell is he doing it?" Oh, like almost <laughs> every day, yeah. Uh, just practicing with him every day and seeing, you know, it, it's not you can't say it's not that it's it's not surprising like every time he does something like the goal he scored the other night you're still kind of shocked and you're you know in awe a little bit but it's not really surprising because you see him do it all the time so it it, you know it's still kind of uh uh it's unbelievable no matter what way you look at it um and Leon too his game is he's always been ever since I joined uh joined the Oilers and played with him he's one of my favorite players of all time, just to, to watch and to, he's a guy that I just love the way he plays the game. I love the way he thinks the game and uh, just, yeah, one of my, one of my favorites for sure that I've ever, ever watched. I know this is a little hot takey, but in, for me, like when you see dry at his best, like I think it's almost harder to shut down than McDavid. Cause when he gets that big body going down low, like that reverse check he does where he throws his shoulders back at someone coming on, like, when his game is at its best, this combination of speed and size, it, it's almost like Forsberg-esque. It's a do- yeah, it's a dominating – he just dominates when he's on top of his game like that. The way – like for a big man, the way the, – the speed he can get up to, 
the way he uses his body to shield, to protect the puck, um, just overall strength. Like you're not take, when he's got it on his stick, you're not getting it away from him. And and he's also like when he's moving that fast, he's also got the vision. Uh, he can pass off both hands equally well, which is another amazing thing in itself. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, can't can't even say enough good things. It's uh, it's really unreal to watch. For Kyle Brodzik, now that the playing career is behind you, have you thought about what's next, sort of? Have you, you know, thought about maybe going into coaching? Have you thought about maybe going into media? Like, I'm listening to you give your analysis now, and it's spot on. Uh, you know what? I don't know yet. I, I'm still not sure. I, you know, when, when hockey was done, I knew I was going to uh, take quite a bit of time off to, uh, and not just to not put pressure on uh, moving on to something, uh, something just yet. I wanted to enjoy my time at home with my family. Um, just get a real life. I've never really, you know, being on the road half the time, uh, you don't really get comfortable, uh, you know, being at home. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to really, uh, enjoy my, my home life and, um, you know, get, get used to being around here every day. And I, and I'm really, I really am enjoying it. So I haven't started thinking about what's next yet. Uh, obviously the thought, Thoughts come in here and there. Do I want to coach? Maybe I don't know yet. Uh, maybe down the road, that's something I want to get into. Um, I don't know about media wise. I don't know if I'll ever, my mom always said that she always thought that I could, uh, uh, I can, you know, I could uh, be on the radio or moms. Or, no. Yeah. Mom, yeah moms know. know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how I'll, I'll take some more time and uh, still enjoy my time at home. And then uh, eventually, uh, eventually I'll have to start thinking about it uh, fairly soon though. After no, 14, Kyle, sorry, go ahead, Jack. No, I, I, uh, sorry, Kyle. I've, I gotta, I gotta go full disclosure here. I am a giant Moose Jaw warrior fan. All my family, Southern Saskatchewan, you are a former Moose Jaw warrior. I would be remiss to not bring up the Moose Jaw Warriors with Kyle Brodziak. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your time in Moose Jaw. I know we've kind of gone through the career, but I know yeah. there's people from Moose Jaw that listen to this podcast, and I, 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 would, I would be getting texted if I did not ask. I absolutely loved my time in Moose Jaw. All four years were incredible. Um, I still keep in touch with uh, my billets uh, that I lived with there. Um Still try to get get down to Moose Jaw uh, whenever I can. Uh, when I was playing in uh, playing St. Louis and playing in Minnesota, uh, or I guess Iowa and Wilkesbury as well. Every every year that I was traveling, I would always make a point to go through uh, go through Moose Jaw. Uh, usually spend the night there uh, with my billets, uh, just kind of break up the road trip a little bit. And on my way home, I'd do it again. Uh, so. So I've definitely kept my ties there and uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things. I, I love being a warrior. Uh, I loved the fact that I spent all four years there and it was, uh, it was amazing time. And you had the honor of playing in the crush can, one yeah. of the citadels of hockey. <laughs> it was <laughs> incredible. That was, uh, you know, like, if you haven't been there, it's tough to really explain. You, you kind of had to be there to, to know, uh, you know, to know the, the history of it, but it was an awesome building to play for. I know that there's not a guy that I ever played against that, that said any nice things about the crush can. Everybody hated coming there, but if you played there, you loved that rink. You've obviously played in a ton of full barns at the pro level, but like as a fan, I always think there's just a different energy in a packed like WHL or junior arena when it only seats oh. like however many thousand and it's crammed with probably more than that. It's unreal. The crush can was, it was the best during playoff time where, uh, you know, behind the glass, there's people standing four or five rows deep. There's people standing going up the stairs and it's the loudest rink uh, that I could remember uh, around playoff time, just because everything felt so, uh, felt like you were just closed in, you know, the roof's not that high above your head. And then the fans are, uh, you know, they're, they're crammed so high that uh, like around it, it is, it was just an awesome atmosphere yeah, electric electric yeah uh well this was great uh, good luck in the world's longest hockey game hopefully uh we hear about you putting up 400 or 500 goals but the most important part is that you guys are doing a, a great thing for the cross cancer institute so good luck hopefully you hold up and uh, hopefully the weather's good to you as well awesome yeah thank you very much i appreciate that and thank you guys for having me on here
There you go. That is uh, former Oiler Kyle Brodziak playing in the world's longest hockey game. Former Moose Jaw Warrior as well. That was, uh, that was yeah. a ton of fun. If he wanted to do media, he could do media. He's good, man. Oh, for sure. Natural. Yeah, for sure. Natural. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I just, I just, just salt of the earth too, eh? Just gotta love these small town Alberta kids. Yeah. Alberta boys that make the show, they just don't, they just don't seem to change. Each one we talk to, they're all, yeah. they're all the same. There, yeah. it, it, it was that era, man, of, of those just hardworking Alberta guys that grew up on the ODR who would find a way to grind their way to the show. Like, it's incredible that he went from being a seventh round pick to almost a thousand games, 917 games. games. Yeah. It's insane, man. And then and I, he, he would have played more, but like yeah. eventually the body gives up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's the part that's kind of a shame is that's a guy who probably would have been a good bottom six player for another three, four years, even like he had the ability to keep up still in today's game. Also, another horrible trade from the Oilers that does not get enough. I I wanted to bring that up and like, were you pissed and shocked when that happened? Because that was one of the biggest blunders of the decade of darkness was that trade. Yep. Now, what they deal him for again? Wasn't it like a a, for, a fourth yeah. round pick? I think just that it was just and then, and then he then, and then that's when like he took his step like that next season just gave yeah, you this a giant I, fu that they deserve for for doing what they did. Brodziak and, and, really and a sixth, of, which Brodziak turned into sixth Darcy Kemper a and a fifth. Oh man, which turned into Darcy Kemper as well. Wow, yeah, that's a brutal trade. Fuck. Wow, he made he made he made the Warriors a sixteen year old. That's no joke. I'm looking at his Warriors page here, and his last year there is uh, in 2003, 2004, 93 points. He had a big season in Moose Jaw as well. Oh, yeah. If uh, if you're listening to this and you want to see how you can support the world's longest hockey game, uh, Gregor has an article up on the website where he talks a little bit more with Kyle about sort of uh, the impact of cancer in his life. And at the bottom of that, there's a link that uh, will send you over to where you can uh, where you can help out world's longest hockey game out at Sakers Acres. Um, always fun. I've heard some crazy stories about guys playing in that thing. I think Dusty has a story where he uh, he slept in through one of his shifts. So I think they like doubled up his shift or something like that. They made him work a double. So he had to be on the ice for like eight hours straight or something like that. It's just, it's insane what those guys put their bodies through and like also weather, whatever, man, like if it's minus 25, they're playing. I, uh, my body is not built for that. Yeah, not at all. Last time I did like any, well, Jay, you were there. The last time we did any ODR, like actual games was we did the Fairmont tournament. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, to be fair, we were also drinking heavily that, that same weekend, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I don't know that I could put in an eight hour shift on the ice. Not be at all. No, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Even if you're not even like putting any effort, just going for a twirl for eight hours would be exhausting. Yeah. No kidding. Um, and that was a good chat with him. I liked how he talked a little bit about uh, Leon and Connor with us as well, because I mean, that's a guy who saw it up close and personal, what those two guys can do. Uh, McDavid winning first star of the week, I think is what he got, or was it second star of the week or something like that? Um, but either way, him and him and Drysdale have combined for like 21 points in the last seven days. Like it's just fucking nuts what they're doing right now. Oh, it's nuts. They're going, yeah, they're going supernova. We need some, what I don't like, if, if I'm going to be an Oilers fan and, and nitpick, what I don't like is how many games ahead we are of some of the people, uh, some of the teams in our division. So I, we need some teams to uh, that are kind of around us to play some games and get some accumulate some losses so we can uh, really reap wins. the benefits of our hard work. Yeah, yeah. Just if we win, keep winning, that, that's, that's the ultimate solution. Speaking of nuts, our friends at Twig and Berries have some great products for exactly that, including their own line of nutsack underwear. Uh, check them out, twigandberries.ca. Find something you like, add it to your cart, use the promo code NATION15, and you get 15% off your order. Support local, get comfy, no judgment, no shaming, no fancy words, just real men. That is our friends over at Twig and Berries. Again, 15% off with the promo code NATION15. Okay, so the Oilers, they, they, this is a stretch here where, and I think I like the point Kyle made as well, where he said that win on Saturday against Toronto felt like, you know, a turning moment almost. And with the stretch they have coming up, where three of their next four now are still against Ottawa with a battle of Alberta mixed in there, if there was ever a time for this team to get hot and get on a heater, it's right now. First of all, yes. Secondly, I just like knowing that he's only really watching Oilers games. Yeah. Yeah. How great is that? 
former oiler watching the boys do their thing. I like it, but yeah, I Going think back that, to his roots. Yep. I think that this upcoming stretch is insanely important. They need to just sweep the tide with Ottawa because they're playing them a bunch and just, you know, the boys are going to get fired up for the battle of Alberta. And I think that's bad news for Calgary. Yeah, I think so as well. Oh yeah, we're getting hot at the right time. Because I think that like I was watching a couple of Calgary games and they're relying very very heavily on Markstrom. Very heavily. Oh yeah. And if the boys start to get hot, like Leon and Drysa, uh Leon and Connor are already hot. They're red hot. But if some of the other boys can start chip in with some goals here and start feeling things, that's bad news. Bad bad news. Yeah, what's uh, do the Flames play the night before, or do they still have the day off before they play Edmonton? Um, I'm just checking that right now. No, they do play. They play Thursday. So, yeah, they'll likely have Markstrom between the pipes uh, when they play the Oilers on Saturday night. First battle of Alberta of the season there. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the games played, and I didn't really even look that closely at it, but Edmonton and Vancouver with 11, Toronto with 10, Winnipeg, Montreal with 8, and Calgary down there with just 7 games played. Um, honestly though, like the back-to-backs will always be tough. And the fact that Edmonton's been able to in their back-to-back so far, they won the second one against Vancouver and now they won the second one against Ottawa. I don't know what it is about this team, but they always win the second half of back-to-back games. It's weird. I just, it is weird. It is like even dating back last year, they were like eight and one or something like that in the second half of back-to-backs. It just, this weekend was huge. They needed those points. All I could think about, I was writing the GDB on the nation on Saturday morning. And the difference between four and six and three and seven to me was just monstrous. So to have that, like a perfect weekend in terms of points collected is that's massive because now they're a game away from 500 and okay, sputtering start, but now the work begins. While, uh, while we're just throwing around hockey questions, like that Senators team is really, really bad. And like, I didn't expect <laughs> them to be this bad. Exactly. Uh, we talked about this I to really start the year. And Jay- I, bet, I bet on them to make the playoffs. They're my, <laughs> they're my sneaky, like they're peskier than people think. Like I think they can make the playoffs. Boy, was I wrong, but I'm so happy I'm wrong. They're one seven and one through nine games. If I set the over under at nine and a half wins, do you think they get it in 56 games? Yeah. You think they will? Oh, yeah. That's so rude to suggest that. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, man. Like, I could nine see them going like half. nine yeah. and they, 47. They're going to get 10 wins. They will. It's just, I don't know how much more than that, but yeah, I do think they will. It's just, I got to say, like, <laughs> when they signed Matt Murray, I was like, okay, that's a reasonable bet. But I don't know if I can remember an Oilers game where they had another goalie hooked as quickly as they did with Murray last night. It's just, yeah. what happened to that dude? That was fast. I think the group in front of them ain't good either, but yeah, they did. They had him out there in like, what was it? Three minutes or something like that. Well, I mean, the other goalie hung in there for five. Like, yeah. 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 And first of all, I never heard of Hogberg until yesterday. I didn't know that was a person that existed. So like what's going on in Ottawa right now? I was wild to watch. (laughs) Also that Mike Riley, the defenseman, that shift he had in the first period where he threw just a pizza up the middle, right to three Oilers. And then there's no pressure on him behind the net and he eats shit. And then his only, he thought it was his only play was just to grab Haas's stick, like in plain sight. That was one of the worst (laughs) penalties I've seen taken this year. Like so egregious. Like, what are you doing? Oh, that team. And it's not even like their young players are bad. Their young players are actually the only ones who are good. Like, their vets are just, like, generally sloppy and not very good. I know by the time this comes out, it's almost going to be redundant anyway, but you think that Ottawa might take a flyer on Chase on waivers? That'd be nice if you can lose that cap hit. I mean, if it goes down to the minors, it's only like a million bucks on, on your books anyway, so you're, you're okay-ish. But um, if, if you can get someone, if someone wants to take that $2 million off your hands, they got space. They, they got, got space. space. They need vets. They need vets that can play and contribute. Maybe Chase yeah. on is the answer for the Senators. I was surprised, speaking of waivers, I was surprised that Tony D'Angelo cleared. I know it's a whole fucking issue right now with like what's going on there, uh, but I like he puts I up a ton of points. I don't think you can grab him. I know, I but I don't He's just too toxic, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like if like I think we get, I think it's safe to assume he's a bad person. Yeah, I think so. If you're starting like that much shit in your own room, and yeah, and yeah. like you go back to his junior career with the slurs and all that, like yeah, not a great guy by yeah. the sense of it. Like the so, yeah, the league just bounded together and just like I think this is just like 
he's on his way out. Like he's going to Russia. I'll readily admit I didn't, you know, I knew that I knew some of the stuff about like the Trump takes and things like that from mm-hmm. D'Angelo, but I didn't know a whole lot about his history. All I could think of is yesterday when I saw him get put on waivers is how big a shit bag is this guy that got 53 points in 68 games with the Rangers last year. And they're putting him on waivers. Like he's got the skill, but like clearly the person is just not worth the hassle. There is with every player in the league, there is a point where if you're too much of a headache, it don't matter how good you are. Like at some point, the team's just going to be like, Nope, that's enough. Don't care. He had like the third most points or something amongst demon last year. And it was just like, don't give a shit if you're that much of a headache, like especially in a sport like hockey, where like the element of camaraderie and like having a strong room, I think is like super important to have a guy like that. Who's running his mouth and getting in fights with your fucking goalies. Like, come on, man. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. He should be uh you should have been a golfer. It seems, you know, solo sport, do it on Jay Patrick Reed. That's a whole fucking shit storm. Isn't it? <laughs> Patrick Reed. Isn't isn't that got a burner account uh, drama associated yeah. with it and, and going after Rory McIlroy? Yeah. Context, please. Um, so I don't really know the full story, but basically Patrick Reed was kind of caught skirting the rules a little bit on Saturday at a golf tournament. And Patrick Reed already has the reputation of being golf's villain. Like he's the villain of the PGA tour. Not and a lot of guys like him. Busted cheating before. Yeah. So Basically, I think he sort of improved his lie. Like he moved a ball when he shouldn't have been allowed to move a ball. And then he called over the rules official and was like, whoa, I didn't know. I, I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. And a bunch of golfers got mad at him for fucking breaking the rules. And he went on to win the tournament. So people are pissy. Yeah, he, was saying, and then, he was saying his ball, he said his ball was embedded in the ground, but you're supposed to bring like an official over to deem that it was and then move it. He's, he just uh, <laughs> grabbed it and moved it and was like, well, I didn't see it bounce. It was embedded. So I dropped it. And, uh, but in fact it, it did, it did bounce. So it wasn't embedded, but then he, I think he was going after McElroy or something for the same thing. <laughs> so he tweeted from his account, this whole thing being like Rory McElroy did the same fucking thing, blah, 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 blah. And then I think that tweet got deleted from his account. And then the same tweet word for word was on yeah. like this, like golf fan, 1900 <laughs> account. Yeah. So everyone yeah, was like, yeah. you're clearly using a burner. Uh, that's so the good. best. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. That guy just keeps his reputation just keeps taking a, a hit self-imposed of course, but yeah, not a lot of people like him. All right. Uh, as we, as we move towards, uh, wrapping this one up, any other, I, the only thing I regret as we were talking about former Oiler or current Oilers, sorry, with former Oiler Kyle Brodziak is Darnell nurse. I've talked about him now on a beat cast and on Oilers yep. nation radio. He's not getting enough respect right now from Oilers Go fans. And that's a rant I have. Like, Look, look at the numbers. That's all. That's all I say yeah. is people. I had someone text today and go, oh, he just lays on the ice like a fucking starfish on all the penalty killing, blah, 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 blah. Five on five. Darnell Nurse has played the most minutes in the NHL. Like forwards, defensemen don't matter. Darnell Nurse has played 212 minutes. Seth Jones is in second with 194. Nurse is pretty much the Oilers or not pretty much. He is the Oilers number one D-man pretty much always going up against the other team's best players. He is getting the mm-hmm. toughest assignments, playing a ton of minutes, five on five penalty kill, power play, all of it. And with that, he's been on the ice for 13 goals scored at five on five and only 10 goals against. He's been on the ice for 128 shots for only 123 shots against. He is, I have not been the biggest Darnell Nurse fan in the past. I always felt like he got a little bit overvalued for his toughness and things like that. But now it feels like there's big. a portion... There's a portion of the fan base that's undervaluing him, in my opinion. And I've I've turned into a massive Darnell Nurse fan over the last 11 games. He's been great. He's, he, he, you know what, completely warrants the conversation. Like, I think, you know, there there was, there, there was right to be concerned with them leading up until this season because of, you know, the, how he's played and whatnot. But, you know, defensively, he's been good. He adds value on the rush. Like, he can join the play. He can move the puck out of the zone where a lot of our D struggle with even making a first pass. We love, we love going off the glass. Um, so, you know, he's, he, he's been an asset to the team and contributing to the good things that are happening on the ice. Like it's, it's good to see God and he can skate. He can just move around the ice so well. Yeah. He's got all the, from the day he showed up, we always knew that Darnell nurse had all the tools. It was just a matter of hoping whether he could put it all together 
And I think that I really appreciate the way he's accepted the challenge of having to fill Clefbaum's shoes that he's out. Um, I think that pairing of he and Bear looked really, really good for the most uh, part. Just when I'm looking at the list right now, I just this just caught my attention. But in the NHL, the top 25, the top 33, or sorry, top, uh, not 33, top 25 ice time leaders, 24 of them are defensemen. Can you guess who the only forward is in the top yeah, 25? Right? It's Connor. Dude. He's, he's played. Uh, he's played 175 minutes at five on five, and that's the Why not? easily the most out of forwards. Uh, it's like, like oh, said. you're playing him too much. You're playing him too much. He's the fucking best player in the world. Like you can't play that guy enough. And, that's and like saying like, the, the. I was gonna say that's like, like said, the, to have him mixed in on that fourth line every now and then. That's just that's genius. bonus McDavid time, and I love it. It's like and saying the Kansas weapons. City Chiefs throw the ball too much with Patrick Mahomes. Like, nah, man, just keep throwing McDavid over the boards. I love the idea of him playing with that fourth line as well because if Archibald can succeed to them, I think Nygaard looks fine with McDavid or Ennis. Like, build a second line for him. Like, that's a matchup nightmare for the other team. If they'd have to worry about McDavid one, Dreisaitl two, and then McDavid getting thrown back in all the time, so genius. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that it's going to – it's going to go even further if Tippett keeps throwing him out with that fourth line and you've got the other line scoring as well and chipping in with the secondary offense. That's going to be a big problem, like Tyler said, for matchups. And uh, we know how good Connor is and we know how good he can make other people. And guys that can cash like an Archibald, they're going to benefit from it too, which makes us benefit. It's, and- it's simple math. Any team that can have one line of Connor McDavid versus a team that can have two lines of Connor McDavid. Yeah, that team with two lines of Connor <laughs> David is much better. Yeah, I mean, if they can have a center on that fourth line that can, you know, you don't want Connor out there every shift so he burns out or whatever. But if you can have them holding their own and floating, and then all of a sudden Connor shows up for a shifter every now and then, that's perfect. Yeah, hundred percent. Because he doesn't kill penalties either. So, yeah. like, let Gaetan Haas get his minutes on the PK. Yeah, that's Connor what he's there for. They could... slot in and. I yeah, really don't Connor understand. Rest. Just because the Leafs were in town and this was always a big conversation, I don't understand their push to have their star players kill penalties. I will never fully understand that. Like, if they're naturally good penalty killers, like Drysaddle's a good penalty killer. Nugent Hopkins is a good penalty killer. McDavid, that's not his game. But the Leafs, like, trying to force Matthews and Marner to kill penalties, I'll never understand that. It's way better if you teach your depth players to kill and you can roll your stars over the boards right after the penalty kill because if the other team's best players are on their power play, if right when the penalty's over, you get your studs out there, they're getting an easier matchup. It's simple as that. I'll never understand yep. that some teams like need to have their star players. Like, oh, they need to be good in their own end, and that starts with penalty killing. That makes no sense to me. Do you think it's... I'm just spitballing here. Do you think it's leaving the potential for uh, creating offense open if you have your stars out there? I don't think the numbers are there. Like Even the most elite offensive players, are they going to be scoring goals four on five? I, I just don't think so. Like a lot of times your mindset is just get it and ice it. Those like go back in to the, the rare, the rare instance where there is a uh, PK breakaway. Yes. I would want Connor McDavid taking that breakaway, but the, the, that happens so rarely um, that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Rest them. Like we got to, yeah. we're playing them on nine lines already. You got to, <laughs> got to give them a break where you can. Uh, before we wrap up the pod, uh, Jay, I, I do my pregame pregame show as a podcast, but you and Josh have been doing a video pregame show as well. And you guys are switching that. It's live now. Yeah, we're, it's a pregame pregame show. So it's about the, the whole thing about it is just about we're trying to encapsulate just shooting the shit like you would be if you're pregaming before going to the game. Pre-game. That's the that type uh, of, yeah. So we, so we moved to live because, so that's why we're doing different settings. We're at the Pine today. We're at Campio today. We're at Northern Chicken today. We're Noodle Noodle today. This is where we're pre-gaming. Um, but the thing that I noticed is that poor Josh was spending like three hours <laughs> editing it. And I'm like, like it's not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? Like it's about just like trying to create something fun and have fun. Um, so we decided, Josh figured out, and thank you, your M check for your direction on just doing it live because that way it's like it's, it's an hour of his time versus four hours of his time we want personally i watched the live one and i enjoyed it more i think it was i think it was fun to hear you guys riffing back and forth yeah it's a little little organic 
Yeah, it's a little bit more. Yeah, it's a little bit more again. We'll, and we'll kind of find our rhythm because like right now it's like we're trying to watch the feeds of like because there's questions coming in on Twitter and Facebook. And like I, I, I catch myself looking at my phone for that. Like I got to get my laptop open to like so I'm not looking down so much. There'll be some tweaks. But yeah, try to keep it fun and light 20, 30 minutes. Nothing, you know, to the professionalism of your Chuck providing actual insight as, as to what's going on. Um, we're more talking about stupid uh, bet uh, props, and I'm talking about how I think Stutzel's going to score because he's the whole the 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 German um, all like like old man Germany in terms of Leon Drysaddle is now like the senior of like German hockey players. I feel like the kid was going to come and try and show his countrymen up. Uh, and he did. He's going to talk about. And he did. And I, I said, I said you should bet him, but it's just to talk about the nonsense, just like you would hopefully when you can go to the pint before a game here in, you know, in the next six or nine months, uh, chatting with your buddies <laughs> about what the hell is going to go on. The one thing I love, uh, like when I'm in Europe and I'm going to the games with, uh, with those guys, cause betting's part of the culture and it's now kind of, kind of coming into our vernacular is like they get around the table and they just, like it's they, they they just like chirp each other about who they think is going to score first, and they they all make their pick their horses, and they do all that. Like, and that's part of like that's part of the pregame experience. So well, I really even, try to want to encapsulate that. I've even noticed that coming into like the nation kind of orbit as well, because I've been calling it a risky business du jour on others on others games where I just one of the random props that I I put some money on, I throw that out on Twitter, and the amount of people that are interacting with betting tweets right now is pretty interesting because it seems yeah. like there's a lot of us that just like throwing a couple shekels on the idea of Cahoon getting a goal. Like I hit a Cahoon goal on Saturday and my mentions blew up because I had mentioned it early in the day. So what I think that it's pay? starting to come over here. It was uh, plus that? 370. Whew. Nice. That's good money for a guy playing with dry saddle. I really know. Nice. Like, even Barry, like, you got, you got to like think about like not, not Barry for goals, Gary, Barry for points. Like, like with the opportunities those two have, uh, in the situations they get to play in, like there's there's normally good value there. And Pooley Arvey, Pooley Arvey's going to start scoring, and he's yeah. anywhere from plus two seventy five to plus three seventy. I've seen him. Uh, my pregame podcast, Bet of the Game, for those who are interested on the year now. I am seven and four, and we are up. 1.2 units. I, I do it very professionally. I track the money I, I put that. in. I do all of that. Um, so and we're up. That's 1. why 2 people units. need to listen to your podcast for <laughs> legitimate professional advice. Yeah. Uh, we had, I had McDavid over one and a half points yesterday. I play it safe too. I do. That's why like, I'm, I'm like four picks over 500, but I'm only up like 1.2 units. I'm just trying to find good edges here and there. Um, yeah, but been, that's uh, my pregame pod. I've been doing a, uh, I'm calling it my can't miss parlay. I've been having fun with those on a lot of days where I go money line on favorites or just who I think is going to win. And then I'll sprinkle in a McDavid over a point and a half on the end of the parlay, just to give it a little extra little, uh. give it that. And it hit for me on Saturday and whole oh man, was that a nice one? It was a very nice one. That's good shit. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Episode 252 of the Real Life Podcast brought to you by Oodle Noodle. Give them a follow on Instagram at Oodle Noodle Gram. Uh, plenty of noodle-based memes and more there. Check them out. They're available on uh, delivery service apps as well as for curbside pickup. And uh, shout out to Twig and Berries. 15% off with the promo code Nation. 15 shout out to Kyle Brodziak in the world's longest hockey game. They're going to get going here right away. And uh, yeah, good luck to them. Cause that is the long haul. It was fun chatting with uh, the former oiler. Lastly, since we're talking memes, I love that people are making more memes from this podcast. Yes. If you are making memes from this podcast, tag us in them. We will post them. Yes. DM them to our real life Instagram and I'll make sure I'm getting those out on the account because they're hilarious. The fucking mullet one killed me. I was oh, laughing good. so hard oh, at that. It's so good. It's so good. So funny. Please um, keep yeah. making memes. I love it. Tag Please. us in those and uh, we'll share our favorites on our socials. All right. That's going to do it. Episode 252 of the Real Life Podcast is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance, or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.